the highest paid employee in the federal government has just announced his resignation. And if you've been following the news at all over the past couple of years, you know that that is Anthony Fauci. The former head of the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases has now become a symbol of the politicization of science, the role of expertise, and our general fights over pandemic policies. But I think what is more significant about Fauci is the way in which he stands at the nexus of science and politics. So this is a good opportunity for us to discuss expertise, its limits, the impact of politics on science, and also when we should and when we should not listen to experts. I'm Dr. Nolte, and this is Blind Politics. And welcome, podcast listeners, to another episode of Blind Politics with Dr. Nolte. Welcome also, podcast viewers, as we are coming to you once again from the American One studio in Hampton, Virginia. I am Dr. Nolte, Assistant Professor of Government at Regent University's Robertson School of Government. I'm also chair of our new Master's in International Development program. So if you're interested in international development, you can check us out and check out our other fine programs there as well. Views expressed in this episode do not represent those of either Regent University or the Robertson School of Government. Please remember that you can rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider, but we hope that you will also come and check us out on video at American One, that's American and the number one, your one-stop shop for America's best conservative news and commentary. So Anthony Fauci is going away. Many people are ha happy about this. Many people are sad about this. Um, he has become something of a lightning rod in the COVID era. I don't think that's a surprise to this audience at all. Um, but let's unpack a little bit the Anthony Fauci uh, story and, and sort of the phenomenon. Okay. Because I think there are a couple of layers here that are fascinating um, and, and that kind of indicate where we have been for the government and, and where we're going. Longtime listeners, um, you're going to be familiar with some of this content. Some of it will be familiar from, from things that we've uh, talked about in the past. Um, newer listeners will, will maybe not be as much, but I think it's a good refresher regardless. So when you look at Fauci, he has some very uh, impressive credentials, and he's been in the government for a really long time, okay? He's got some of the best you know, degrees. He's got some of the best academic reputation, right? Which tends to happen when you're the guy who's responsible to giving out research grants. The granting institutions tend to talk about how great you are. Um, the, the grantees, I should say, those receiving grants, right? He's also been in government since the Reagan administration for a very long period of time. And so as COVID started, for a certain segment of the population, Fauci is seen as sort of like that ultimate comforting figure, right? That figure that everybody knows, that everybody trusts. Isn't it great to know that we've got somebody like this who's really on the case? That's part of the reason that you have government expertise, is that when a crisis happens, you can then have somebody who's coming out who seems like they know what they're doing and what they're talking about, and they have a handle on things. Okay, That is oftentimes the purpose of government experts. I don't really remember this, but I've often heard stories from family members about watching the first Gulf War 
And Dick Cheney kind of played that role. He's a secretary of defense, former congressman from Wyoming, but certainly knew his way around the policy issues involved very well. Um, and when he spoke, you seemed, you, you, you definitely got the impression that here was a guy who knew what he was talking about and knew what he was doing. Okay. And, you know, like him or not, Donald Trump is not going to come across as a health expert when he's talking. Right. So there was a little bit of a balance between them. And if you didn't like Trump, but you were looking for somebody in whom you could vest your um, hopes and, and fears and trust for COVID stuff, Fauci was the guy. He was the guy who seemed like he was on the ball. Here's the problem with that. Part of this is Fauci's own making. Part of it's not. When you have a new pandemic, nobody actually knows anything. Okay? But no expert ever wants to tell you we really don't know. Right? And this is where Fauci starts to get into trouble. And I'm not even necessarily going to say that all of this was ill-intentioned on Fauci's part. Um, I don't know. And I don't think it matters. And I'll tell you why I don't think it matters in a second. Because what ends up happening is you start telling people things with a false sense of confidence. Okay? Why? Because eh, maybe you start out thinking, we need to reassure the public. Right? We need to reassure the public that we've got this under control. We need to give the public the sense that there's something that they can do. We need to make sure the public doesn't panic. One of the things that's really interesting when you look at a crisis like this is there's a phenomenon. Uh, Jim Meggs, who's a, com a columnist for Commentary Magazine, he's written for a number of other places, talks about what he calls elite panic. And this is the elites panicking because they're afraid that if they don't give the right guidance, the population's going to do something dumb. Um, and there's, there's many examples of this historically. And it tends to be overblown. Okay? Markets are often a better predictor of these types of things than government regulations. Example number one, government lockdown orders. Actually, if you look at the data, people who believe in science never actually look at the data, but that's a side note, right? If you look at the data of people like going out to restaurants and things like that, for about two weeks before the lockdown, people attending restaurants and normal events had gone down significantly. In other words, Government was a lagging, not a leading indicator of behavior when you look at it in aggregate. So people were already kind of, eh, okay, we're hearing things about this pandemic we don't like. Maybe we're going to just order in instead of going out tonight. Those things were already happening before the government put their thumb on the scale. Okay, But elites do not trust the market and they do not trust the public. And so they assume that they need to tell them what needs to be done because if they don't, they don't the public will do something dumb. Okay, And this leads to one of the most dangerous things that elites and experts can do, and it's called the noble lie. Okay, You don't necessarily lie because you have bad intentions. You lie because you have good intentions. Lying because you have good intentions can never come back and bite you in the butt, especially if you work for the government. right? So the whole reason why they told people initially you don't need masks is because they didn't think there was going to be enough PPE for frontline workers. So instead of telling people, Look, we think masks might help, but we're not sure. So um, we want to reserve them for PPE. Please, like, make your own masks or, or do something else. Like, they're the most important. Had they leveled with the American people and had enough faith in the American people that they weren't going to all just act like a crazy mob, okay, but that Americans were capable of self-sacrifice, 
if you leveled with them and told them the truth. And if that's what they had done, we would be in a much different place than we are today. But when you start out with a noble lie, it builds on itself. You then become more and more convinced that it worked, right? It worked, and so let's do it again. But we don't live in an era where that's going to hold up over the long run because public trust erodes. And the unfortunate reality is that Fauci played a substantial role in eroding that public trust. Right? It was the contradictory guidance on masking. It was the contradictory guidance on how much vaccination we needed for herd immunity. It was the fact that he was not honest about saying, yes, we funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. And there was no reason to, to lie about that except for the fact that you were trying to protect your institution. You were trying to protect yourself and the people that you were funding. Okay, If you're going to make these decisions, and you made them in the past, level, again, level with the American people. Tell the people the truth. Yes, we did this. Here's why we thought it was a good idea. In hindsight, maybe it was a mistake. But if it was a mistake, it was a mistake we made for these reasons. People are going to trust you a lot more if you're honest with them about your mistakes than if you lie to them about your mistakes. And the problem with experts is they become so confident of their own expertise that they forget that they are not experts in people. Okay? And Anthony Fauci, here's the other aspect of this that's important. Fauci himself probably hasn't been in a lab in a long time. Fauci's not really working as a scientist in the position that he's in. He is working as a bureaucrat who oversees scientists. In other words, he is a politician, a bureaucratic politician, in the sciences. I work with, I'm in the academic world, and, and I've, I've worked with and I've known a lot of people who are actually in the sciences. And the thing about people who are actually in the sciences, who are working in labs, who are doing this stuff, who are really like on the front lines is, more often than not, they will tell you if they don't know. Okay? I don't know is a valid result to an experiment. Gosh, this happened. We need to test more. We don't know. We need to test more. It's when you start saying that science, capital S, is a political force, that we need to defend it against the people that are anti-science, and so science must be infallible, and you start treating science like a religion or a political ideology, that you then say, we cannot ever say that we don't know things. That's not actually how science works. If we couldn't admit that we didn't know things, there would be no science. Science advances because we acknowledge that there are unknowns, and then we try to figure them out. And if you don't acknowledge that you don't know things, then you're not doing science. So that's the problem, is that in the name of science, these experts have departed from actually how science is supposed to work. Think back to when you were in school and you learned about the scientific method. The first thing that you start with is a question. Why does this work this way? I don't know. Let's try to figure it out. You can't have science without uncertainty. And so anytime somebody is promising 100% certainty, and this is one of the problems with Fauci, you've moved out of the realm of science and you have essentially politicized science. So the irony is that the people who are out there claiming they want to make sure that science doesn't get politicized are the most guilty of politicizing science. 
Because if you want to use science as a way to wage war on your political opponents, again, you're not doing science uh, anymore. You've moved beyond that. Here's a third point, okay? Because you have this, this politicization, this treating of science as a political ideology or as a religion, it becomes an article of faith that you should quote-unquote trust the experts, all right? Meaning that the pre presumption throughout much of the government was that whatever the health experts say we should do is what we should do. That's not actually the job of a good politician. Because the job of a politician is to take input from all of your advisors. So yes, your advisors who know things about health, who know things about how pandemics work, but then also your economic advisors, your advisors who know things about people, you probably want to have some advisors who know some things about mental health so you can figure out what are the mental health effects of these dr drastic mitigation measures. And then when you've taken all that data in, you have to, as a politician, make a decision. Yes, we're going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. And you really can't hide behind the experts because the buck stops with you. You have to balance the various different inputs that you've got coming in and you have to make a decision. And sometimes that's going to mean not going with what is recommended by the CDC or recommended by the health experts because there are other factors that they are not considering. A good scientist will tell you, I'm not an economist. I can't tell you what the economic impacts are going to be. All I can tell you is this is how you mitigate the pandemic. And so Fauci would sometimes do what's called a Mott and Bailey. So a Mott and Bailey argument is you start out with a broad argument right? That's your, that's your mot. If you think about a castle, like the mot is the outer part of the castle. And then the bailey is like the inner part. That's, that's the most uh, defensible. I think I might, I might have gotten those backwards. I'm not an expert on castles. Anyway, point being, you start out with a broad, a really broad sweeping argument. And then when somebody attacks you, you retreat to a much more narrow defense. Well, what I was actually saying was blah, 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 blah. Right. So Fauci would make these broad policy. We need to have more mitigation, right? We need to shut the whole country down for years and years to stop this. And then when people say, well, that's going to kill the economy, Fauci will say, well, I'm not an economist. I'm, I'm really just a scientist. Well, duh. Correct. Okay. But you're saying this is what the policy framework should be. So it's partially a failure on Fauci's part of saying, look, this is my recommendation, but this is purely from the perspective of the ideal way to stop the pandemic. And of course, there are other factors that are going to be considered in the policy response. But Fauci didn't want to do that. He liked the fame. He's a politician. And politicians are addicted to fame and power. And so when you start moving beyond the science and you start becoming a politician, then you like the fame and you like the power. And you're not willing to engage in the kind of modesty that you need to be really good at science, which is to say, look, I don't know. I don't know these other fields. I'm not an expert in these other fields. I don't know how they work. I know my field and my field alone. And if you have to balance that with other things, of course, the policy is not going to be 100% effective, but it might be the best that's, that's actually achievable. And so that is the problem, right? People treat this one aspect of the puzzle as if it's the only thing that matters. But when you are actually the person who has to make the decisions, George W. Bush would say, when you're the decider, you can't just outsource that responsibility to an unelected bureaucrat, no matter how expert they may or may not be in their field. You have to make the decision. The buck stops with you. Because there are other imperatives that go beyond 
just what the science is saying. And also, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, when you're talking about a pandemic, nobody really knows anything. They're giving you their best educated guess. All right. So you can look at Fauci as sort of a Greek tragedy. There's circumstance that comes into play. There's the broader culture. But then there's also the character flaws of the man himself. And it's, it's basically what it comes down to is pride and arrogance. And not all of that pride and arrogance is necessarily coming from a place of I'm the best. Some of it is coming from the place of I need to help these people. It's patronizing, right? That's where the noble lie comes from. But then some of it also does come from a sense of I love seeing myself on TV. Right? I don't necessarily think that Tony Fauci is a terrible human being. I know that's not necessarily a popular thing to say in, in conservative circles. But I think we do a disservice as conservatives if we say this is all about Fauci being a bad person. Why? Because Tony Fauci himself is not the problem. The problem is systemic. The problem is that we don't properly value expertise and say, okay, great, you're an expert in this lane, this one area, but we need to focus on a broader picture than that and to bring that into conversation. The problem is a system that says that we're going to turn science into a political ideology, almost a religion. The problem is that we have taken the uncertainty out of science, and uncertainty is what makes science great. And the problem is that we have forgotten that the purpose of statesmanship, of being that person who's in charge, is you're going to get the best advice you can from the best people that you can, but ultimately you're the one who has to make the decision. And we need to elect people who are going to do that instead of punting it to the experts. So no, I don't think the point of this is that Tony Fauci is a bad person. I think the point of this is that a bad system will inevitably create a Fauci. And unless we reform and change the way we think about experts and expertise, not necessarily getting rid of it entirely, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but properly valuing it and understanding that it needs to be elected politicians who are making these decisions so we should elect politicians who have good judgment and then properly understanding that science is sometimes going to come back with an answer of, I don't know, and we have to be okay with that. Because science isn't a religion. It's not a political ideology. It's a really good way of finding stuff out, finding out how things work and why things work and why they happen the way they do. Science is a process, and it's a good process. But I don't know is an important part of the process, and we have to be okay with that. And unless we fix those things, we're going to get a lot more Fauci's. And that, I hope, is what people will take from this. Now, I think some of that is happening. I'm actually somewhat encouraged by the fact that there is a populist pushback against experts and expertise. People are like, wait, you have a PhD. Why are you encouraged by this? Because I think there needs to be a rebalancing. I think we become too expert-heavy, too expert-dependent, we have placed too much faith in the expert class because experts are just as capable of groupthink as anybody else. And the whole purpose of science is to make sure that you don't have groupthink. So I think a little bit of pushback is a good thing. What matters is the, the dose of the medicine. Okay, So if you're on more of that populist sign, we don't need to get rid of all the experts. But we do need the experts to kind of go back in their lane Eliminate the groupthink and get back to actually doing science. Get back to actually doing that inquiry and following that process of figuring out how things works. And unfortunately, Fauci is a cautionary tale of the fact that the system that exists currently 
is not really capable of doing that. And so we need reform. All right, that's going to be a wrap for this episode. Please remember you can rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider, but we do hope that you'll come and find us on American One. That's American number one for excellent video content. If you like what we're doing here, you'll find other great content that you will like there as well. Thanks once again for watching and for listening and for doc- for Blind Politics. This is Dr. Nolte. Signing off.